Welcome to the 232nd episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on May 12th, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the king of content himself, Carlos Rodella. Well, hello. I grace you with my presence. I am Welcome, your content. majesty. Welcome, thank welcome. You, thank you. Yeah, where's the red carpet, by the way? Because I didn't see one. It's outside your door. Sorry. I, was, oh. I thought you were going to come out, and then we just we did this instead. I had it already. put it in the wrong place. My bad. Was my it bad. Amazon to me? Is it an Amazon package <laughs> I was supposed to open? Put it on open. your back porch instead of the front door so you didn't see the red carpet there. Yeah. Well, anyways, All right. it's yes. good to be anyways, here. Anyways, here we are. It's, well, it's good to be. It's welcome to be here. Happy to have you. I don't Whoa. know what I'm talking about. Don't know what we're doing. Podcast, maybe? Off the rails. Off the rails already. Great start to this show. Let's keep that energy going. <laughs> Carlos, we usually open up with uh, housekeeping. You got anything today? Guess what? What? <laughs> good. I'm glad you guessed. Well, you guessed what? Uh, there's nothing in my house really except one thing. Okay, one thing. I know that we usually have stuff piled high in our house, which is divided down the middle with a uh, strip of duct tape. Uh, I don't really... I, I guess I have one thing. I was going to save it for the end, but I will say it in here at the beginning. Boy, I can't podcast at all. <laughs> can you, can you wow. say it here? Just we say it right here. We are in trouble, here. folks. We are wait, in wait, wait, wait. Brad, 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 ready? What? Say yes. it here. Go, here. go there. Go there. Yes, here. Yeah. Go there. What? What am I doing? You're saying something from your housekeeping. Oh, <laughs> oh you want to go first? I thought you were going to go first. Oh, I'll go first. Go first. Go first. Because um, there's only one thing. And by the way, the duct tape that's going down the middle of the uh, floor or whatever, uh, it's getting dirty. I was <laughs> going to tell you that last time. We got to replace it. We don't actually replace it. We just put a new strip on top of oh, the old strip. Oh, that's gross. It's going to have hair on it. Um, <laughs> so the only thing I have is that we on this podcast want to like interactive movie type games a lot. Yes, but, yes, that is true. And we've played a lot of them and liked maybe a couple, but most of them we haven't. Is that's that fair true, to say? True statement. Fair statement. Okay. Yes, agree. A new one just came out, and so I thought I'd bring it to the table before I downloaded it and see if we both want to try it or if we've just given up. It's called Poe and Monroe. I saw that in the store. It's on Steam as well. It looks more well-produced, and it does feel like it like understands what it is, and it feels like an indie series or something, so it doesn't feel as corny as the other ones. And so I've been really tempted, and it's cheapish in the $10 to $15 range. Which is the good range. It's by Diavecchi Studios, and it says, uh, guide local radio hosts... I love radio. We're doing a podcast. We're doing it. Guide local radio hosts Poe and Monroe through six TV-like episodes of supernatural strangeness and sizzling on-screen chemistry. Well, that's out to... we we got to figure that out, if that's really a, a thing or not. Uh, from the creators of The Infectious Madness of Dr. Decker, have no idea what that is. And The Shape-Shifting Detective, have no ideas what that is. <laughs> so that was... I was going to say, I did see this in the in the store, and I thought, like, we were on the same wavelength, brother. I was thinking the exact same thing, right? Okay. And I'm like, okay, cool. I like these kind of games, or at least I like the idea of them. There's a big couple that have been winners. I was going to pull the trigger, and I still may, 
But when I saw that it was by the makers of Dr. Decker and the Shapeshifting Detective, I was like, ah, screech on the brakes. I did not like either one of those. I thought, they oh, were both you played terrible. both of them. I played both of them and I did not finish either one. I did not think either one was good. So I'm oh, like, geez. well, the premise is cool. I like the idea. The setup seems neat. Six episodes of spooky radio personalities. That seems like it's kind of fun. But man, those other two games were not good. Well, so here's the thing. I, I, I paused. Yeah, okay, and that makes sense. And I didn't know that you played those, so that's good information. But like uh, indie game deve- developers or even AAA and AA, and also people who make music and any content creator, you can suck at a bunch of, sh- bunch of stuff and then all of a sudden it'd be really good. Absolutely right? true. Absolutely true. So, Which is why I was still considering it, right? I didn't I didn't rule it out. Like the way that I have ruled out all Rattalaika games, that, that company uh, doesn't exist Rattalaika. for me anymore. But I was like, well, maybe, maybe the third time is going to be the charm with these folks. I don't know. Uh, a review from Game Industry News, and come on, they they've got to be, you know, pretty credible. They got their finger on the pulse. I trust what they say. Who are they again? Uh, I have no idea, but they're called Game <laughs> Industry News. I guess it's all Game Industry News, maybe. Okay. Uh, let's just say if you're into the X Files, she sees red, and until dawn, you're gonna love Dark Knights with Poe Monroe. I mean, maybe. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go take another look at it. I'll poke around. I I feel like I'm fifty ha- fifty right now. Fifty. Okay, just bringing it to the table. It's my only housekeeping. I have nothing else, so you know, there it is. All right, fabulous. Okay, uh, TBD. I'm gonna make a little note to myself here. Um, I was gonna save this for the end, but I guess I'll say it here now, and then I guess maybe I'll just remind people at the end. So special announcement uh, for so video games. Uh, unexpected twist, plot twist, new surprise. Uh, I was. Not going to play Resident Evil Village. I was not, and it was not on my radar. I had plenty of other things to play. Uh, don't like scary games, as everybody who listens to this podcast knows. But man, I got to say, like, the FOMO just got too strong, man. I just, like, mm. everybody in my timeline was talking about it. Everybody was posting pictures. Everybody was, like, Photoshopping that big, sexy lady in with themselves and stuff. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'm missing out. I feel like I want that lady to chase me around the house a little bit. I feel like maybe I want to be part of this conversation. So against my better judgment, I did pop for Resident Evil Village, and I have been playing it. I was playing it right before we got into this podcast. So I did not expect to talk about it, but will talk about it. And further plot twist, uh, Carlos, you are going to be taking a quick break from the show next week. Uh, Carlos time, me time, self-examination time, going down to Cabo, I believe? No. No, I'm not. And also, I've been there before in summertime, and it was way too hot. Okay, not going to Cabo. Going to an undisclosed safe house somewhere in the Midwest. And while you step out for your brief sabbatical, we are going to be joined by former co-host Corey Motley. He has been playing uh, a ton of Resident Evil Village. I believe he's already finished it, actually. Um, So he's going to jump back on the show with us for just one episode while Carlos takes a well-deserved break. Uh, Carlos will be back with us the week after that, uh, probably talking about Mass Effect, I would imagine. Yes. Yes, I'm bringing Mass Effect with me to the undisclosed location. Good call, brother. Get in there and just, like, just play that thing with no distractions, you know, no Wi-Fi signal, so no one's calling you. Just get in there and just play that game. That sounds like a good idea. So, anyway, heads up to the listeners. Next week, we will be joined by Corey. We will have a heavily, uh, heavily slanted episode focusing on resident evil village but there will be other games as well i'll bring a couple more games to the show i don't know what else Corey has going on uh but that's what's up so if you are a Corey fan he's going to be making a special appearance if you want to hear us talk about resident evil we'll be talking about that next week so just heads up 
And uh, a quick uh, two cents from me, uh, my hot take on Resident Evil uh, Village is, um, yeah, it's like, a, you know, I mean, you're playing it right now. Pretty far in or how, how far in? Uh, at this point, I'm almost done with the castle section. I don't want to spoil okay, anything okay. for anybody, but the la- but the section where the lady chases you around the house. Yeah, uh, that that section. Yeah, the minor spoiler is that that lady should be in it more, which I'm sure you heard on the internet. Um, Lots of people telling me that that is true. Lady D is kind of a what's it called a bait and switch, and then uh, it just feels like an actiony game that's not very scary. That's my only two cents. On Are you playing it right now? Did you already play it? No, I played uh, two sections. Just the demos. Of the de- just the demos. Well, two okay. the demos, yeah, and then the very very beginning. But then I talked to my friends and they said nothing really much changes. It just gets actually a little more action packed near the end. Uh, which isn't a spoiler again. It's just like it gets more actiony, yeah. and so yeah, it doesn't seem like a scary game, uh, but it does seem like a Resident Evil four ish type game, and that's my two cents, and that's it. That works for me. I will say that it started out kind of spoopy, uh, and then it got, and I was kind of like, I didn't know if I was going to be able to to hang right. Like I was thinking maybe I would bounce because it got a little bit too scary, and I was also playing by myself at night. My wife was super tired; she couldn't sit with me because she had a long day at work. So I was on my own, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I can't play this by myself. <laughs> But then it got actiony, and I'm like, okay, I'm cool. Like, it's cool when I'm shooting stuff and running around. Like, that's no problem. So, like, I started to not be scared, and yeah. I say that as a good thing, and then I was just shooting dudes and running around, getting the weird-shaped keys, doing the strange puzzles, and I'm like, okay, this is just, like, old-school Resident Evil, except for the hallways look super nasty, and when you go in the kitchens, all the food looks gross. But otherwise, basically just, like, a first-person Resident Evil. So, I feel like maybe I'll be okay. I feel like maybe I'll be able to go the distance, unless it takes a real hard turn left, but... It doesn't. I mean, yeah, I don't think it does. And also, if you want another hot take, uh, this character, Artie, he's right here right now. Uh, Hello, I'm Artie. And uh, he shows up in this podcast very often. He's done a little quick review, 40-second review. I Um, I did see that 40-second review. All right. And uh, I won't won't spoil it for the kids. But if uh, the kids are on the TikTok, go to TikTok at Video Game Sketch. And that's where I, uh, and now I'm already, by the way. And that's where I do a review for um, that, the Silent Hill, the village. A little know. bit of a tangent here just for you, Carlos, to make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. Who, who's Carlos? I don't know who you're talking about. When that, he gets back, please okay, tell him. Okay, I'll tell him. Uh, so what happened was, I so totally not related to video games. We're just taking a hard, just hard tangent here, folks. Bear with us for a moment. I, uh, I do a lot of other gigs. I have a lot of stuff besides being the, editor of GameCritics.com, and one of my gigs is that I do uh, mentoring with a lot of students uh, right now for sign language. I am a sign language interpreter in my normal day-to-day proceedings. Uh, It's something I'm very good at. I am probably an expert at it, and so I teach kids how to do that when they want to do that with their lives. I don't recommend it. Don't do that, kids, but if you're going to do that, do it properly. And we actually did use some of your uh, videos as training for the, the kids. I got your videos. I got your Resident Evil video put it up on the TV and had them do some sign language. They were interpreting your video and uh, it was, it was pretty good. It's pretty good. That's crazy. Yep. You were our subject for the day. And I'm like, here's this guy. I didn't say that I knew you. Right. I was just like, here's this random guy I found on YouTube. (laughs) Wait a minute. You're like, here's this guy who didn't put any closed captionings in and is like an asshole and doesn't do. There was nothing asshole-ish about it. Okay. Okay. I was just like, here's this guy. He's talking about resident evil. Pretend like you gotta do this for a job if you're a sign language interpreter. Do it, do it right now. And then we did. Okay. It's cool. Well, it's good learning. I wish I could put that in the video in the corner or something. <laughs> I'll bring it up to them. Maybe they'd like to do it again. Uh, really good fun. stuff. Good stuff. Anyway, 
anyway, you're doing the Lord's work there, Carlos, and you didn't even know it. I guess so. Thanks. All right. Let's get back to games. I'm sure the people listening are like, what the fuck are we even talking about? What is this show? I thought I came here for games and I'm not getting it. Okay. Put, put in the show notes. They can skip to 13 minutes. Exactly. Skip all the bullshit at the beginning. We're getting to games. So housekeeping's over. We're going to get right into the meat of the show today on episode 232. Carlos, as per usual, we're going to start with you. A little game called Don't Give Up. Uh, I saw it on the Switch. It's probably on PC. I don't know anything about it other than it's kind of like a top-down indie style, like just kind of an RPG basic sort of a thing. That's all I know about it. What's the deal with Don't Give Up? Yeah, they call it a comedic retro-inspired RPG. Uh, It's actually more of an adventure game, you know, in that, that kind of thin line between how much combat are you doing? How much leveling up are you doing? And again, we could have a whole episode, which we should at some point, about what makes an RPG. But I think there is combat. There is, I mean, I know there is combat. Um, I don't know how much leveling up there is. I haven't really done a lot of that. But there's acquiring of items, and it there's a lot of dialogue. So it feels like more of an adventure type game. But it is a straight up, uh, it feels like Earthbound, which, tangent... Uh, I just backed, what was it called? Uh, Oddventure, isn't Oddventure. it? Oddventure. Adventure? Yeah. And they just made their uh, Kickstarter, which is awesome, their goal. So yeah. that, that has an Earthbound feel to it as well. And this kind of does it the same, uh, but in a different way, because it is really about uh, one person's story that you're pl- kind of playing through. It's not that, again, you're not creating a character and and going into a world, you're basically taking on the the role of this person who is a prescripted, prescripted, prescripted character. character. He's an indie game dev. It's the actual indie game devs are really based a lot of his own, uh, you know, struggles and stuff with life in the game. So you're really kind of playing through his life in that way. And I actually like when devs do that and I like throw more of themselves into the story. It's kind of interesting. Um, and this particular game dev and the character that you play as has anxiety and depression. And so basically, I think he says, like, he just tries to avoid people. Um, he's got a little sidekick called Mochi, which is kind of like that Game Boy guy in Adventure Time. I forgot what his name is. Uh, anyways. But anyway. It looks like the art of Adventure Time, too. So, you know, when they do little cutscenes with the, the heads, um, little profile pictures, those are very much like Adventure Time. Okay. And then the graphics are all just like pixel based. Uh, And you run around, you know, just like Earthbound or any of those kind of top down view character games. And so, yeah, you start off with a really depressing, like past memory that's like tough. And it's kind of about like suicide and cutting yourself. And it's real, you know, and you play through it just to kind of experience what he's experiencing and or has experienced. And it goes back to present day after a, a dream sequence. And you uh, in the dream sequence, of course, you learn how to do battle and combat. It's kind of a tutorial within that. And then when you wake up, you're just like in a house in your apartment and with your, you know, TV and your basic stuff. And I love modern settings and games. You know this. We don't do it enough in games. We I don't, think we should do it more. We don't. And I just I just think we all can relate to it. So I don't understand why we aren't, you know, um, even something like was it 12 minutes coming out soon? I know that's like a very specific type of game, but it's like, you know, modern living room and modern bedroom. And just, I kind of like that setting. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you really kind of like, uh, you know, get this guy's where he's coming from and the frustrations and the kind of sadness he has and he lost his job and 
you know, a while ago and he lost his girlfriend. And so he's just going through life. But then there's like really funny, quirky moments that happen with characters you meet. And he meets this girl at the elevator and is kind of like tongue twisted and doesn't know what to say. And again, there's dialogue options, right? So am I picking the right pickup line or whatever? Or am I just like being an ass, you know? And then um, the combat is this like kind of a defensive combat. So when you get into combat with people, uh, like the first one is like someone steals some woman's purse. And so you run after him, you know, like to be a hero. And what it goes, it goes to a screen where you basically have four squares, just like the directional pad. And two of those squares or three are usually like uh, damage because the the enemy is like hitting you in those squares. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. if you jump to the one that's safe, you're safe. And then when you're on that safe square, you can attack. Very interesting. And it's all action, Hmm. action action-based. And then when you break the character's guard after hitting him enough times, you get really close and you can just hit him as much as you want. And then his guard comes back up and then you go back to that four square situation. And I've never played a combat game like that. Um... And it's like almost relaxing in a way. It does. It's not like super stressful. You're just kind of like not trying to get hit and parrying and stuff, and then you're attacking back. Um, very cool. I like it. It's a really fun style, and it's like this whole game. The whole game is like not too much. It's more like more in the emotional side of things. Uh, Interesting. And I really like it. I mean, I really do. I've been over video games for a couple of weeks now. And this and one other game on the podcast today really got me enjoying them again. Um, and this is just because it's an RPG that's like Earthbound with someone who has depression. I have huge swaths of depression. I mean, who doesn't these days? Yeah. Man? And so there's a lot of a lot to be relatable there. And I really like it. And the characters are funny and quirky. And oh, and there's one other a mechanic I've never heard of. Before you fight anybody, you do, get, do this section called small talk. Mm-hmm. Which means you can like choose like insults, but you can't be too mean because if you're too mean, it gets them revved up and then they get really pissed. But if it's like a good burn, then they're like, oh, <laughs> like they feel <laughs> like bad. there's like a like a uh, morale yeah, damage morale, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, there's like buffs and debuffs in this like little talking area. And it reminded me of Earthbound too, because once you like get one of these buffs on them, so like say I made fun of this one guy, I go, you know, where'd you get that shirt from the you know bargain bin or something? And it worked because he actually like felt self-conscious <laughs> about his clothing. And he goes, and then it goes, bad guy is feeling self-conscious about his clothing. And it was like, I got a buff. Oh, uh, okay. Because I made him feel like, you know, but you do it too much, and then they're trying to show you that you don't want to like be really mean to people. Right. And then when I'm too mean, they're like, well, yeah, fuck you. You know, he was like really overconfident. Right, and they just want to punch your face in after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So. It's, it's just, that's the game. I think I, I think that kind of summed it up. And I really, really, really recommend it. Like, it's what, $10 or something? Where are you playing it? I saw it on Switch, but it's probably on PC. Where are you playing it right now? I'm playing on the Switch. Isn't that crazy? Okay. I'm playing is a it Switch game. pretty good fit? Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, no text is too small. Um, everything's great. It looks beautiful. Like there's really fun cutscenes. Um, it, it was a Indiegogo I just saw oh, before, okay. and then it made it there. Um, and yeah, man, it is great. And it really is gonna. I mean, I haven't got further enough along, but you can see a lot of moments and touch points in this where it talks about mental illness, like for real. Like people who have problems with social interactions 
depression, all that stuff. I mean, the first cutscene was, you know, about him not wanting to be around. Right. It, it, what a great way to explore that where you actually want to play through this thing. It's like not preachy, you know? I mean, that's one thing that games can really do is that they can take a player and mesh them in their world, immerse them in what's going on, kind of show them the perspective of someone else in a way that just isn't totally possible in books or movies. Like it just, it feels different when you're actively participating in something rather than taking it in passively. So I think there's a lot of space in the video game, uh, zone to kind of explore um you know not necessarily that it has to be like edutainment or something but to explore narratives to explore stories to try to show other sides of people that you know maybe that's not an issue that you have but you can play this game and understand this issue that somebody else might have or if you do have it then maybe you know that you're not alone and someone else knows what you're going through so i think there's a lot of really good utility in games for that kind of thing and of course it's the indie space i mean i don't see anybody really really doing that in the triple a space of course not so well we, uh, we did see hellblade hellblade did that Okay, Hellblade. Okay, I mean, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. like double A, I guess, if you want to call it that. But yeah, that's definitely like like trying to get people to understand what it feels like for certain people dealing with these situations. Um, and before I leave this review, music is very good, like spectacular. Okay. Uh, it's got that earthbound quirkiness, but then it's got like lo-fi trip hop all of a sudden, and what a, it's just delightful. Like it, none of none of the music overstays its welcome. Um, and then the only negative. Which if we say this, and if they listen, which I hopefully the devs will, because I'll send it to them because I really love this fucking game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Certain, uh, you do talk with yourself a little bit, just kind of like in um, Disco Elysium. I oh, forgot, okay. I sure. forgot to mention that's another like internal internal dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the you, you're talking with your brain, so your brain is pink, and so for some reason the text is pink, and that oh, is it hard to read? That one's a little hard to read. Uh, and it's like on the switch, you know. So you're like anything that's bad or anything that's even a little bit hard to read is tough yeah so hopefully i'll you know they'll hear this and i'll be like you know hands in a prayer motion uh you know kneeling on the ground (laughs) saying please just maybe change that to like a dark pink or a red it's funny you bring up the whole pleading with the developers to please change the text because we are going to be Saying that phrase a lot this episode, that is going to be a thing. Wait, let's call that the name of the episode then. Pleading with the game. Oh, that's a little long. That's a long title. That is Don't Give Up, currently on the Switch for $10-ish. Sounds like a winner. Uh, Big recommendation from Carlos there. Don't Give Up, A Cynical Tale. Sorry. Make oh, sure. there we go. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, moving over to me for a second, I want to talk for just a brief moment about the The Colonists. Uh, very, uh, I don't know, like, uh, dangerous thing to call your game these days because colonizers are not really in vogue and it's a very bad thing. Have they ever been in though? Sorry. I mean, true, true. But I, I don't think that society has really looked at it as negatively as we are now. Like I think in the past it was kind of more portrayed as we're exploring the wild and we're, okay. you know what I mean? Like they were kind of painted as the heroes, but I think modern in modern times now, most people are like, okay, actually colonizing is fucking awful and we shouldn't do it and we should respect the indigenous people. I think the tone has shifted on that, which is good. Like, colonizers are bullshit. So I was a little bit surprised to see somebody name their game The Colonists. I mean, that's kind of a little bit of a bold statement there. But thankfully, um, it's not about that specifically. The Colonists is a top-down, sort of a resource management, town-building game where you play as robots who are escaping Earth because they do not want to be the slave race for Earthlings anymore. They've packed themselves into a ship and they've blasted off into outer space. They found themselves a new planet where they can be free. Uh, 
and uh, the game starts with you landing your rocket and then a little couple little group of robots getting out of the, the rocket and like assembling their supplies and, you know, setting up things. And then you take over. And the point of it is you need to set up things in this town that will help the robots survive and, and flourish. Um, so it's kind of like, a, you know, you set up roads and you set up houses and you set up like uh, resource paths for your guys to go back. I mean, it's a very common, very common template, right? A lot of games, a lot of games do this. Um, I will say that the robots are super cute. They're like white and rounded edges and they're kind of squat. They kind of look a little bit like um, Eve from like uh, Wally. Like she kind of looks oh, like yeah. the iPhone robot a little bit. I like the design of them. They're very cute. And when you land, it says something about like these robots were designed to support human life. And so they persist in those patterns or something like that. Because you would think, well, robots, right? Like what do you need to do? You need to mine for minerals. You need to set up an electric generation plant or something but like a lot of what you do is like you set up like like wood chopping and a lot of things you're like well why am i doing this why do we need to get water because because we're made to to do that i guess so anyway small point once you start playing it's all like you know okay here's a forest and let's set up a logging house and then you build your little logging house and then the guy starts the robot the genderless robot starts chopping down the trees and building the wood back and it's all well and good right like like you know how this goes everybody who's been playing games for a little while probably has played a game like this there's a bunch of them out there right now where you just have your little your little robots or your people or your workers or whatever gather resources build some stuff get some more resources build something bigger you know that's pretty pretty familiar loop it was cute controls were okay the idea of controlling robots running away from humans i'm down with that that seems nice I will say, though, that I ran into problems pretty quickly with the colonists. Um, first problem, it's fairly buggy. I, I ran into a few places where I was supposed to do something and just nothing was happening. And I'm like, well, am I doing the wrong thing? What's going on? I just started this game, so I don't know if I'm making a mistake. or and No, no, no. It's actually the game. So there was a couple times that I had to, like, just, like, straight up restart the game or shut down the whole, uh, you know, shut down the program, reopen the program and go back into it and and get it running again um just and then when i would come back it would work so like clearly that was a bug something happened and it wasn't working that needs to be polished out that's really irritating um the second thing that i think is a a a more of an actual design problem is the way that this game implements roads now to set the scene for you you need to have roads connecting everything because that's how the robots get back and forth they don't just walk across grass or across dirt or anything you need to build a little road Fine. I mean, that's very common. That's a very common thing in these kind of games. Build a road from your base out to your wood shop, and so the people can ferry the wood back to your base. You build a base from uh, home base out to the, the the rock quarry, bring rocks back and forth. Like we all know how this goes. This is very straightforward. The problem, and I just it just blew my mind, man. It just blew my mind. When you're building a road, the road must be between four and six squares long. It must be, or else it doesn't work. You cannot make a road of one square. You cannot make a road of seven squares. It's got to be what be between four and six squares. That is a very hyper-specific measurement of road, and I don't understand why the fuck it is, because there were many times when I would set up a house for my robots, because robots live in houses, and I would put them next to each other, and I'm like, oh, this is such a cute little neighborhood. I feel like I'm really using my land effectively. Oh, shit. My house is only one square away from the next house. I can't connect it because the road can't be one square. I'm like, why not? It's weird. Fucking makes no sense. And I, I got, I was just like, I couldn't process it, man. I kind of froze. 
had a little emotional shutdown, didn't know what to do with myself, because I'm like, how do I even play this game? Because everything's got to be between four and six squares away. It's crazy, because no game does that, right? Like, you Yeah, can usually and then just... what, what are you gaining from doing that? Right, like, I don't understand why they did it. So, like, what ended up happening was I started to play the game as I wanted to. I was having fun, setting up little houses, setting up my quarry, setting up my logging zone, setting up my fishing zone. And I'm like, fuck, none of this stuff is connected because it's all not at a multiple of like four or six squares. And I got to like move everything around. And then I had to like demolish stuff and move stuff back around so that it was like four squares apart. And I'm like, this is stupid. I'm spending all my time measuring out road when I should just be building and connecting these roads like every other game of this kind. I don't know why Dude, they did rage that. rage quit. I would have rage quit right there at that moment. Because especially I, if you built something already. Yes. And, I, and, I, and to be honest with you, I did. I rage quitted at that point. No, I can see I'm like, that. this is fucking irritating. This game is cute. It seemed really simple and fun. I was going to get into it. I just had my drink, had a little blanket wrapped up. It was all cozy. I was going to build some town. And this fucking road thing comes up. And I'm like, I, it just blew me away. And I don't know why it is. There's probably some story about, hey, we were developers. And way back in the beginning of development, we chose this because it made sense at the time. And now that we're releasing the game, it doesn't make sense anymore, but that's the way it is. I mean, it's yeah, probably some yeah, story yeah. like that, right? I have, what I've, you should have done was fix it. Don't fucking leave it like that because it's bonkers. Well, you know, you think in playtesting, again, we always, we talk about this on the show a lot, but like a playtester should notice that right away, right? You go, hey, why can't I do this? You know, that's what a playtester right. says. Why can't I do this? I uh, mean, yeah. My biggest question, though, is I'm looking at the art. Uh, why do the robots have to act like people? <laughs> like, I mean, again, I, I know, right? Like, the whole world I'm looking at looks like The Sims, and there's sheep. There's fucking sheep and houses. These are robots. And I might add, I'm going on a thing. I don't even, I've never even played this game. They wanted to get away from the humans. Yeah. Shouldn't I mean, they that... build like all crazy cyber things? I kind of had the same feeling. I'm like, why? I mean, and you know, like I said, they say when they land, we are built to serve humans, and so we persist in these behaviors or whatever. But it's like, okay, so basically you're just making a town builder like any other town builder, but you've got robots. I mean, why, though? Like, why you're not though? really capitalizing on the robot aspect of it. You just have swapped out humans for robots. And and the road thing was just like, it was just, it was so irritating. Like, I just I couldn't I couldn't deal with like how finicky it was and I wasn't really playing the game I was just like I mean you might as well make a puzzle game about building roads and every road's got to be between four and six squares or something that that's kind of the game that I felt like I was playing and I didn't yeah. want to play that game yeah so yeah anyway the colonists it's a game that exists I think it's pretty cute it's really a shame because I think there's you know there's a lot of good things about it but with the beginning premise of replicating human behavior and this this crazy road system that should have been fixed. It's I, I did rage quit it, dude. I, I stepped away. I could not play it anymore. All so. right. All right. That is the colonist. I played it on Xbox X, although I think it was actually properly probably an Xbox one code. But, you know, whatever. Uh, all right. Back to you, Carlos. Let's talk about a little game called Skate City. Uh, I what I know about this game is it has skateboarding. That's all I know. What That's else it. does it there have? You go. Besides That's the review. That's that the it? review. It's got skateboarding. So video games review. Skate City has uh, skateboarding. And we like it. That's it. Eight out of ten skateboarding. Oh, I would give it almost a nine. Nine? At, whoa, good yeah. skateboarding. Okay. Uh, now this is a. I very much like this. This this and um, the No Way Out. Is it No Way Out? Don't, Don't give, give up. up. <laughs> no Way Out uh, of this uh, segue for Carlos. Hey, Artie, get in here. What? What do you? What do you want me again? For what? To get you out of your your pickle? 
I'm not going to get you out of your pickle. Don't uh, give up on this segue, Carlos. All right, hold on. I'll stick. I'll stick around then. What is this skateboarding? What are you guys talking about? Skateboarding? <laughs> Didn't that go away in the nineties? Hey, listen. I'll get out of. I'll get you out of your hair. And here we are. Yes, this is um, one of our finest episodes. Hey, ever. were you just making fun of Artie? He's right here. He can hear you. <laughs> Skate, City Skate City is what we're talking about. Folks. Is um, a side-scrolling skateboarding game, very much like Ollie Ollie, but there's a big but. One. There's a big butt in the game. No, no, there isn't. Uh, there is a big butt smash in um, in the game. I can't remember. Don't give up. There's a butt smash as a, as a, as a, a thing that happens. Anyways, um, the Skate City is side-scrolling, and the big butt is that they're bigger characters, right? So not like Ali Ali's really teeny little characters. Uh, these are like, I don't know, ha- not half the screen, but they're just uh, a bigger character. How do you how do you describe a big character? I, I mean, I think you just did. Like they take up a lot of the screen real estate, right? They, they take up more of the screen characters. real estate. Yeah. Okay. And you're going left to right, and it's not just simply left to right. Like I feel like Ali Ali was just almost like an arcade game in a way. Sure. And I know that there's a new one coming out, and people are really excited. But for me, a lot of those mechanics are still there. Of like, if you mess up, you kind of like are screwed. That's why I love Skate City. Um, the first off thing is before I tell you about how the game works. The skateboarding itself is fun. There's, it feels like there's physics. You know, there's definitely the manuals. There's definitely like doing kickflips and all the different uh, tricks you would do, and then I'm balancing, right? So you're grinding, and then you're using a little balancing like Tony Hawk. So it feels like Tony Hawk mixed with Ali Ali, but when you like eat shit, it's not like game over. It's just you know you invincible for a second, you come back to life and go back at it. And if you're doing like a time trial, you're doing these things that you need to do to pass the level, you'll just pick up from where you fell and you'll you'll try to do it before the end of the level, right? So you don't feel like you're screwed. It's like trials, right? Trials, you still have a shot at it, right? Isn't that how it works? Yeah, you just pick yourself up and keep going. Maybe you take a time penalty or something, but yeah. you know, you just 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 keep going, man. Just keep doing it's it. It's like that. Yeah, it's it's almost like it's also like descenders a little bit and downhill uh lonely downhill or whatever mountains because it's got that a little bit of physics in it you know but again you're just skateboarding left to right and then as you're going into the levels you'll find like you know things to grind you'll things you have to jump over things there's people and pedestrians there and stuff so at some point you might actually have to you know jump jump over them or ollie them or you do tricks near them uh, because you can hit them and like fail which is funny and here's the other thing about why it's better than ollie ollie is because it's more forgiving so say you pull off a kickflip it's almost automatic at times, but then like sometimes you can still fail it. But I just feel like if you're jumping up onto a, a uh, like a ridge or something and you don't hit it just right, it's a little more forgiving than just like, again, fail, right? Like some of these other skateboarding games that are arcadey just fail you. And I've been able to pull stuff off or like just barely pull stuff off. So hopefully I explained that well, but I think it's more forgiving. Um, and then what it is, it there's like three maps. I don't know if it's going to add more to it later, but I'm in Los Angeles in the first map. And in each map, there's like, I don't know, 15 or 20 different things to do. So one could be like pull off a bunch of kickflips. Uh, one is like uh, avoid the pedestrians, right? And there's a bunch of people around. One is uh, escape the cops, which is fun, right? That's like actually a racing kind of one. And there's also racing, actually. There's other skateboarders that you can like race. So then you're not really focused on the points. You're focused on, you know, just beating them through the level. And every one of those felt fun. And they're super fast. 
you know, like what's, I don't think another game we've talked about in the show where, you know, it's like you pick it up for 10, 15 minutes and can put it down. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, any, anything like that is, is, is good in my book. Like be, having short sessions, pick up and play anything like that is great. And I feel accomplished. Design. You know what I mean? Like I got like three or four of these huge, you know, sections done and I was like, okay, cool. I had fun. I did crazy cookbooks and stuff and the music is really good and it's just a, like a treat. Like it just feels like a yummy treat. Like throughout this whole two weeks of me hating games, uh, you know, the don't give up was good for kind of just introspective introspective. And then also kind of, cause I reminded me of earthbound and I was like, Ooh, there's, there's a game that's different and not in my brain that normally. And then this one is like, I love skateboarding, but I get so frustrated at skateboarding games that are fail you instantly by just like missing a trick. And this one I could, I just felt like a lot easier and fun. And you customize your character a little bit. It's not a lot. It's just, you know, basic stuff. And you open up skills and you can definitely upgrade your character, which is nice. Remember, I always talk about I need to upgrade or I won't feel happy. You got to upgrade <laughs> something. Yes. Your life or your you game. You got to get on that power curve and keep climbing. Oh, I love the power curve. So there's power curve in it, too. Um, great music. Really fun. Nice looking graphics. Highly recommend. I mean, it's just a treat. It's a it's a freaking treat. And I love just jumping over to it playing it for a bit, and then that's it. You know, just turn it off. Sounds pretty cool. One question for you, though. I know yes. that there's a couple different philosophies when it comes to how you control a skating game. Um, you know, some games are like tap, 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 tap. You know, like you got to like nail these like split second like inputs. Some of them are like use your balance on the sticks and kind of like, you know, use a little bit more physics. Some of them like, you know, just have a mix of buttons and stick. Like what kind of what kind of control are we talking about here and what kind of like philosophy are they using? Like, is this about like quote unquote slightly more realistic or is this more like arcadey in terms of control? Like how do you control it? I'm glad you brought that up. That's one of the things I missed. Uh, first off, it is like I said earlier, like Tony Hawk. So it's not arcadey in the full sense where if you do a kickflip, uh, they use the analog sticks. So left and right analog sticks. Okay. And so left kick or left analog, if you go up and to the left, is like a certain type of kickflip. Down to the left, down to the right, another kind of kickflip, right? So there's like maybe eight different uh, kickflips on the left analog. And you just have to like tap that, you know? It's just like quick, bing, and then you do, you're doing a kickflip. So you don't have to like wait for it to land or like land it perfectly. It just it just does it. So that's kind of an arcadey moment. Okay. But it feels like when you hit the like box button or and kickflip in Tony Hawk, it just happens. So you're not really worried too much about it, but it is also important about like what's coming up next, right? Like you do a kickflip and then like hit a curb or something. So that the other thing is that's really kind of fun and more physics-y based is that when you do a grind, you can use the spin buttons, which are the triggers on the top, and you can actually kind of like grind and then turn your spin because you're turning your board. And that feels more like a skate, like the game skate, right? Like skate two or three. And that feels like physics-y. And you're like, ooh, this feels like a good skateboarding game. And then you come back to the ground, and then it's back to almost an arcade game. So it's literally mixing Ali Ali, Tony Hawk, and Skate, which is wow. crazy because it's doing all of those things. And I know because I've played all of them a lot, you know. And that's why it's a good question because at times you're flicking the button or the analog sticks, and you're like, oh, that's really easy. It's almost like Tony Hawk or arcade -y. But then when you want to do like a really cool manual, you still got to like balance the board, you know? And then when you do in these different grinds, 
you can like do lots of different fun stuff where you're uh, altering it, you know, you're modifying it. So there's modifiers. And all, and all in the 2D plane. All in the 2D plane that, you know, has that 3D look to it. Um, right. And you're going up, you're going forward and backwards in the environment a little bit. I think um, it decides when you do that, which is kind of weird. But anyways, it, yeah, okay. it's a really cool mix of control. Sounds like a pretty, pretty, I mean, diverse, but also kind of like a new take. I mean, combining all those elements is pretty interesting because, like I said at the beginning of my question, like there's definitely kind of schools of thought when it comes to how you do a skating game. And this one might be in the middle of that Venn diagram, it seems. It really is. I don't, I've never played a skateboarding game like it. And again, that's maybe another reason why I was like, oh, video games. Hello. They're a thing. All right, cool. They're a thing. Excellent. That is Skate City. Where are you playing it? PS4, PS5. I guess that's Excellent. my answer nowadays, right? Like for, for PS5, it's not. there's hardly any PS5 games. Yeah, I mean, it's weird, too. We're kind of in a weird space because I just... I, I have packed up my PS4, I have packed up my Xbox One, and I just have out the PS5, the Xbox X, and the Switch, and I just say that whatever I'm playing, oh, it's on PS5, oh, it's on Xbox X. But, you know, most of the time we're still getting Xbox One codes, PS4 codes, or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes they're up res, sometimes not. I, just, I don't know, just for the sake of clarity, I'm just saying X and 5, even though they may not be for that, but they're on that store. You can play it on that console. It essentially is for that console, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird time to be living in right now. It's for the, it's for the Atari. I played it on the Atari <laughs> and television 2600. No, 5200. Right, 5200. All right. That is skate city. Uh, I have one to talk about now. I am playing this, uh, on the Xbox X, but it's not for the Xbox X. It's actually for Xbox one, but I'm playing it on the Okay. Whatever. Who cares? We get Who it. cares? We get I'm playing it. it on the Xbox. It's called Buildings Have Feelings Too. Oh, I've seen this. The art is cool. I know interesting, that. Interesting story. I saw this game at least three, if not, I want to say like five years ago, but at least three years ago at like PAX. Really? PAX West in Seattle. I clearly remember it because I'm like, oh, this game looks so cool because what this game looks like, it's 2D, uh, hand-drawn art with all the characters are buildings, literal buildings, but they have these teeny little arms and legs sticking out the side of them. And I just remembered looking at it, thinking it looks so neat and cute and fun. It just, it's stuck in my mind as something that I really, really wanted to play at that time at PAX. And then it disappeared. It vanished. Did not hear anything about it for like basically forever. I, I thought it just died in the water. Maybe the devs quit on it. Who knows? I saw it pop up on PC a while ago and I'm like, oh man, it's that game. And then here it is. It's on Xbox now. I think it's on everything. I think it's on Switch. I believe yeah, it's, it's on, on PS. Yeah, it's on everything, I think. Yeah, it's on everything. So basically, Buildings Have Feelings too. I'm very glad that it showed up. Is uh, It's kind of a weird week for me because I don't usually play a lot of sim or management or building games. And that's a lot of what I played this week. Uh, this is a 2D hand-drawn game where you play as a, a building. And you are in, I guess, a series of streets. And each street has problems. There are some buildings. Uh, and all the buildings, of course, are alive. Like, they're all just kind of hanging out. In this world where you build a building, you build it, and then they just, like, stand there. They're just like, I'm chilling. I'm just, like, a building, and this is where I live. Nice. I'm just standing right here. So it looks like a bunch of people kind of but standing. But that's what a building would do in their defense. I mean, true. It's just weird to see them standing on little feet. It just seems like yeah, yeah, they'd yeah. walk around a little bit. They don't. They just, okay. Anyway. Anyway, each street has problems. Like, in one area, there's some construction. you got to help clear the construction. In another building uh, area, there's, like, a, an old mill 
that's not doing any good business. They need to renovate and stuff. And so what you got to do is you take a look at the street and you're like, okay, so what's going on here? What are the problems? There's also like little goals. So in case you don't know what to do, there's, you can look at a menu or uh, objective list and it'll be like, Oh, take the warehouse. And it's right now a mill, turn it into a pub. And so you do that by spending some money. You have a, your currency is bricks in this game. Uh, so you take some bricks, you uh, strip out the machinery of the mill turn it into a, a pub and this is all just a couple button presses it's nothing major it's like you're selecting stuff off a menu basically mm. and then it's like okay cool now i'm a pub and then it's like turn this pub into like a three-star pub and like attract more people and so it'll be like oh okay how do you do that and this is kind of where the game kind of loses itself a little bit um it's very there's a lot to this game it seems very easy simple and lighthearted on the surface the graphics are super appealing very cute uh, the game just has a really just like really nice approachable look to it. And it is like it's a good game. But I think where it trips up a little bit is the the tutorial is not great. And I started the tutorial very soon. I just I wasn't sure what I was doing and I was mucking around. I couldn't figure things out. I was talking to um, somebody at Game Critics, uh, Damiano Gurley, who is playing this for us. He's I believe he's in Italy, I think. And he was working on this at the same time I was playing it. I'm like, what do you think? He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. What are you doing? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so we both were kind of commiserating a little bit. And I eventually I just had to just quit the game and just restart the tutorial. And I just really stopped and had to go really, really slow. And I'm like, okay, so I thought I understood this, but I don't. Let me look at it again. I'm not going to move forward until I 100% understand this. And once I did that, it required me to like, click in all the menus multiple times and some of these menus go three or four menus deep right so like at first i thought i got it so i moved on but then i really didn't get it like you have to look at um the stats of a building what does a building produce what is a building like where's the best place to put it who likes to go there all this information is listed if you start drilling down in some of the building menus um and it's 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 fairly clear once you know to look for it but the game is not super clear about how you play the game really like it's like oh i'm just placing buildings and this looks cute and fun but there's a lot more to it. And one of the, the most important things that took me a long time to figure out is that when you are renovating a street, you have to count up in groups of five. And the game does a terrible job of explaining this. But it's like the most important thing about the game, which is ironic, right? So like, let's say that you've got your pub and your pub is a one-star pub, which means it's a pub, but nobody goes there. It's not too popular. They don't have many amenities. They need to class it up, right? So what do you need to upclass this pub? You need people. You need uh, lots of patrons. You need to have like a whiskey distillery nearby. You need to have an office nearby. Like you got to guarantee like a good flow of customers. Sounds easy. How do you do that? You got to put in like a building, erect like an office building nearby, set up a, a housing building, like an apartment building. It seems straightforward, but I wasn't making any progress, right? But the key, the key to this game, and I will really emphasize this to anybody listening to this podcast. If you're thinking about playing this game, and I think you should, because I think it's pretty cool. What you need to know is that you need to count off by five. So if you're working with a building, let's say the pub is in the street, you need to count, starting with your pub at one, one, two buildings to the left, and one, two buildings to the right. So that's two on the left, two on the right, counting the pub. That's a series of five buildings. That five buildings determines what you're doing, right? So like the two buildings on the right will influence the pub. The two buildings on the left will influence the pub. And that's what you have to focus on when you're working on a building. The game does not hmm. explain that. It's really confusing because I'm like, how, where do I need to put a building? How come it's not working? What's going on? I don't understand. But once you figure that out, it's like the key to the entire game. And so you're like, oh, whatever I'm doing has to be within five spaces. And if it's outside of five spaces, it doesn't count. 
I get it now. Finally. You know what's so, funny? You know it's funny? You said it's, it sounds like the robot roads. I mean, kind of, but it, I mean, it's not as restrictive once you figure it out. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it, it makes more sense once you figure it out. I just feel like the developers should have really, really emphasized that like a lot more because that is the key to the game. If you don't know that, you cannot play this game. Like nothing makes sense after that. So I figured it out. I'm like, oh, got it. Like giant exclamation point goes off over my head. Once I figured that out, I'm like, okay, great. All the rest of the pieces fall into place. It, it That tells you how to place your buildings, tells you what you need to do, tells you, you know, what, you know, what your process should be. And then, it, and then I started having like a lot of fun. So like, Really confused at the beginning, struggled through it, read the tutorial, talked to some people, was a little bit lost still, and then once I got it, I got it, and now I think the game is really fun. I have a question. Uh, yes. So I get the idea that it's more Sim City, really, than what I maybe thought of it from the artwork alone. It just seems like it's more of a simmy type game, right? I guess. I mean, sort of. Yeah. Well, what, excuse me. What, I am. I'm choking on water here. Pardon me for one moment. Oh no. Keep continue uh, getting your composure. Uh, Sorry. My, my, Sorry. my question in, in more clarity is like, is is that all that happens is the sim part of it? Because, you know, these buildings got legs and arms, bro. So like, yeah. do, like, like you said, they're just standing there. Yeah, I thought that was maybe just the beginning. But like at some point, is there some sort of action-y moments? Um, not that I've seen so far. So what the, what the loop of this game is, once you figure out how it works, which to, for me was a pretty big hurdle. Once I got over that, it's so you, you come to a new street. The street has like three or four different problems. Each one of those are kind of their own little side quests, right? You got to revamp the building, uh, the business in one. Somebody needs more tenants in another. Somebody wants to become a restaurant in another, like whatever it is, right? And so you need to analyze this street and figure out how can I rearrange my chunks of five so that everybody gets what they need in their little chunk. And so you, it's it's about like placing buildings very carefully, making sure that each building is influencing each other building in the proper way. Um, you know, getting the right kind of building next to the other kind of building. And then they kind of like support each other. And then you like level up your buildings when everybody's happy. And then the street is happy when the quests are getting fulfilled. And then that's kind of what it is. Like it's, it's more of, a, it's almost like a puzzle game using mm. kind of like Sims to the elements. So it's not just a straight up builder. Like you're not just doing whatever you want. Like it is very much about, I have a problem. I need to solve it. I have five squares to put buildings in. What five do I put in here and in what order to solve this problem? No, I get that. It actually reminds me of like Hotel Sim or something. One of those hotel ones, remember, where you had to make the tenants happy, I think, and stuff? Kind of along the same lines, very roughly, yeah. Basically. Yeah. So, but my still question is to play devil's advocate is even if you do all that, uh, A, not sure why the buildings are having arms and legs, and B, isn't the game called They Have Feelings? Like, where, yeah. where are the feelings in the buildings? Well, I mean, I think it comes into just the fact that, like, the buildings all talk. They can they say, oh, you know, I'm not happy with, with no business. I want to be happy because I want to be a productive oh, business. Or, I get it. Or, 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 like, one building's like, oh, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a paper seller, but what I really want to be, like, is an accountant. Can you please help me be an accountant? I want to be a happy building. So that's where the feeling comes in. And they have arms and legs because if you make a mistake and you need to move things around, the buildings can move. Like, you can click on them and say, hey, buddy, follow me for a minute walk down the block three more squares okay you sit here and dude over here come back with me the other way so you can move them around so they're mobile which probably explains the the feet the hands don't really do much but the feet do something um so that's kind of how it goes mm. after that initial learning curve i gotta say i like this game a lot i think it's really cool it looks great i like the quasi puzzle feel to it i think it's really nice it i will say though it takes a lot of concentration like a lot of 
figuring this out takes a lot of, okay, dig into this menu over here. What does this guy need? What does this guy need over here? What does he got? Who can go over here? This didn't work. Like you're really like you're examining a lot of data and kind of figuring out what is the optimal thing. So it's not just like willy nilly, willy nilly puzzle. Like it's not anything like Tetris. Like you're really very carefully constructing these little micro blocks, which it's it's slow going and it's pretty dense and you really got to think about it. But once you get something together, like it feels really good. Like you feel like you've really solved something and like you feel like you're a genius when you're done with it. So I, I dig it so far. I think it's um more challenging than I expected it to be and in a different way. But I feel like it is a really good experience once you get the five squares thing. Um, and I like it. I think it's really cool. I, I'm digging it. Yeah, it seems like, um, like again, you can be in the, that mood for that kind of game. And if you are, then it just kind of adds like this other you know, colorful, fun aesthetic. But you're still doing the management kind of drilling down stuff, which, again, can be very like uh, meditative. You're right. It, it, totally, dude. Totally meditative. Totally get in the zone. Like you, I could see myself just like focusing on this and the whole world melts away for like a couple hours while I'm just like managing the the elements and moving things around and stuff like it's it's not the kind of game you jump in for a quick five minutes it's like okay i've got like an hour and i really want to dig into this and i really want to get this this street renovated um but i think it's pretty cool i think it's a great formula i haven't played anything that's quite like it um this kind of mix between puzzle and sim and i think it's it's pretty good plus it's super cute so far um i'm pretty early on but so far definitely a thumbs up it's funny it's i think it's a lot of stuff is marketing right because we say this before on the show many times but when I saw the art, I thought rain on your parade, which was, it looks very similar to that. Yeah. You know, where it's like the little cloud, it has a face and he's, oh, he's a cloud shouldn't have a face. And then like a building has arms and legs, but well, they shouldn't have that. And totally opposite types of games. Rain on your parade is literally like no buttons or one button. Um, and this is like a semi type game within that. But anyways, either way, it still looks cool. And now that I understand what it is and hopefully people who listen to this episode now understand, they might dig it for that. I think I think it's actually pretty cool. I I definitely give it a thumbs up. I am gonna try to uh, put more time into it this week, and uh, we'll see where I get to. But so far, I like it. Cool. So that is Buildings Have Feelings Two, playing it on the Xbox X. Uh, Carlos, back to you. A little game called Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Man, this is a blast from the past. I remember playing this. I mean, a long time ago. Yeah. A long time ago. We should, do, was, we should have done research and find out when it came out. Let me look. Oh, my God. I can do that while you're talking. Okay. But this is a top-down RPG, action RPG, kind of like Diablo-esque, but it's also got some story, uh, a lot of killing of enemies and stuff like that. Man, I love this back in the day. I feel like I feel like I played it on PS2, maybe? Possibly? I don't it's know. PS2, I remember for sure. Yeah, that's where okay, I played it. Okay, yeah. okay. That sounds about right to me. I, I was surprised to see this... Uh, come out of i guess i mean to me it seemed like it came out of nowhere it but did. I, mean, I guess they're no re- no 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 it came this. out of nowhere so um yeah let, let me let me let me fill you in on the first what talk you just said <laughs> can i talk here should i talk here talk here do it now i'm gonna talk here okay. um <laughs> already stop fiddling with that i told you i'd come back over here if you can't fucking handle your podcast well i and can we certainly can i'm saying words now you shut up Hey, did he tell them to go over to youtube.com slash a lot of things? We, oh, my God. No, okay, I already shut up. <laughs> what an asshole. This is. Anyways. This is um, anyway. This is my favorite show, by the way, so far. Uh, so Baldur's Gate, it came out of nowhere. You're not wrong. Like many game journalists were like, what? Because if you remember, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2 is coming out, I believe, this year in a few months. Do you is know that? Really? Oh, you, I, you know, I. 
I gotta be honest with you, man. I kind of got confused about which one was which, and is this a new one? Is it an old one? Is right. it a revamp? I don't. I'll, I'll help you out. Don't worry. Um, so the the new one is coming out, and I believe it's in a couple of months, which is crazy. And it's like high res graphics. It's made for the probably PS4, Xbox One, right? Okay, wait, wait, wait. hold 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 up one second, because I'm already confused. Let's oh, get this straight. Okay. Baldur's Gate. Okay, I just did the research here. Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, which I totally remember playing on PS2. Yep. Originally came out in 2001. 20 years Nuts. ago. 2001. And Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2, which I also played, came out in 2004. So are we talking about a remake of that one, or are we talking about a brand new game which is coming later this year? Okay, so something's coming later this year. I believe it's Baldur's Gate Dark... Now I'm fucking confused. But let me tell you what I played, and then... <laughs> You can look up what the new game is. Just use the internet while I'm talking. Okay, I'm gonna. Okay, I'm gonna because try. Because there is a new game this. coming out. Okay, and to go back to my point, this one, which was the original on the PS2, uh, wasn't no one on no one's radar because the company uh, I forgot who fucking developed it. I think it was Interplay, wasn't it? Yeah, Interplay. back in the day. But whoever put it back out and remastered it in quotes didn't tell yes. anybody, and all of a sudden it just showed up. And on top of that, these are all you know marks against it. It was $30. So, in, and their new game, which you'll tell me later, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance something, is going to be like $40. So basically they said, here's a game from, you said, 2001. And I'll tell you what they did to it, by the way. Not much. And it's also $30. And we didn't even do any press for it. And here it is. So I was surprised. But like you, have fond memories of it. And it is that couch co-op Yummy, yummy, yeah. Diablo-like. Well, it's Baldur's Gate-like. It's a fucking like the original, right? It's more actiony though than um, uh, you know the small little characters. It's bigger characters, more actiony, and again, a million games have copied it since. Um, I'll tell you some pros and cons. The, one of the biggest cons is it's remastered in quotes because all they did is get it to run on the new systems, and they cleaned up the, the polygons and stuff like that, so it's all clean looking. But that's it. Like, nothing else has changed. It looks really like it is from 20 years ago. Yeah, but you know what's funny? Try, go back and try to play the PS2 version, and you'll be fucked. Because that you won't be able to see it. You I'm know? sure, yeah. I'm so sure. this one, I was like, oh, I do remember some of these dungeons being kind of tough to see, you know, or whatever. And it's it's very clear. I guess you want to say 60 frames per second. I guess it is. There's You don't really challenge that. <laughs> but it's like you know, no load times almost, and it's just super fast. So I was like, well, you know what? Fine. It looks fine. I can go, at least go back and beat it because I don't think, I can't remember if I beat it the first time. And I was like, well, why not try that, you know? Guess what shows up but the rage from a couple episodes ago. Oh, no. Because like we mentioned in this podcast, which will be a whole episode someday, difficulty in games and this is an old-timey game, so they didn't, you know, no quality of life stuff here. No, this was rough back then. So if you're, if it's too hard, it's just too hard, right? So here's what happens. And it's a short story, but it's a necessary one. I enjoy my time with this game. Uh, a pro that other games can learn from. What's that stupid game that I always get mad about? Not Pillars of Destiny, but the other one that's like Diablo. Pillars of Eternity? Oh, no, you're talking about from Grinding Years games, uh, Path of Exile? Yes. That game could learn from this. Actually, Diablo could learn from this. 2001, they did it better than those guys. Because when you attack in Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, you can also move forward. 
mind blowing. You know what I mean? Like when you swing your weapon, yeah, you your little character hail, moves a little bit in like forward. How is how the fuck? I love saying that word when I mean it that much in that way. Can can Diablo three and hopefully the next Diablo, whatever, and these games not get that? Why do you have to sit still when you're attacking? Crazy. So the pro is this game has that. You know, you're doing combos, you're attacking, and you're going forward. It felt so good. It's like I missed that kind of action. Uh, and again, it's just comfort food. I love playing it. Here is the con. Here is the rage quit moment. Unfortunately, okay. I go to the little old guy in, in the in the tavern. He sells me all the stuff. I remember the whole loop. He can sell me a bunch of stuff when I have enough money for it. I finally go down to the bottom of the list and pick the best armor, the best you know gloves, the best hat. All that stuff is the best that he sells. Okay, there's no more areas. There's no more open world. There's only one where, one place to go, and it's where the boss is. And the boss is not a big monster, which I've fought in already. He's not a bit undead. He's just a dude. And as a dude, I have to beat. And I had the best stuff. Did I mention that? The best stuff possible for where you're at in the game. There best was nothing else to buy. Possible. The only thing I could have got was one better sword, but it was only like ten more damage. So I go down there and I've been, you know, doing okay and having health potions left over. He has little throwing knives. And he throws a little throwing knife at me, and he won't stop throwing them if I'm at range, which means far enough away from him. And they do, like, a quarter damage. Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, that's fucking wrong. And then I get close to him, and if he starts swinging too fast, and I'm not running around enough, dead. And, I mean, I'm using health potions, and he's still hitting me while I'm using a health potion, and I still died. So I just had to stop. Like, what? I, you know, interesting. I would, uh, I did by any chance, I, you know, I don't really recommend this. It's not really my, my go-to, but in a situation like that, I, you know, I would be curious to just like jump on YouTube and be like, okay, so is there like a trick to beating this guy? It sounds like he's just out DPSing you like hands down. I wonder if there was some, I mean, is it a problem with the game or is there some trick to it? Are you supposed to immobilize them somehow? Or is I, there something okay. you're missing? I, mean, I have I'd two answers. I know that. I have two answers to that. And I was about to go look and, okay. But, the one answer is I don't want to anymore. Sure, which know? I get, which I totally get. Because it's like a game, you know? I'm like, if I've been playing like, I don't know, five hours of it and I've already been doing well and beating other bosses, then that doesn't make sense, you know? You shouldn't have to. You should, yeah. I'm, I am definitely of the camp of you shouldn't have to. Yeah, and I know all the controls, so it wasn't like I was doing a certain control. Like I was running a circles around him. I was doing all these other things. It just wasn't happening. And right. then secondly, I think the answer is I first played that game and got out of that area. I know we got out of the area but I played it co-op. So I recommend if anybody wants to go back to this, you know, real glowing review of Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance original, it's just, you have to have a friend. I think they built that game for co-op. I, I did finish it and I guarantee I played it all the way through in co-op. So that makes perfect sense. And that's something that you should think about when you are porting something like this. You know, you got to rebalance. Like it's got to be balanced for one player or two players. You can't just have a two player difficulty and if there's only one player playing, they're fucked. Like, that's not cool. You can't. That's a that's terrible design. That's what it feels like right now. And again, I paid the money for it like I do often. So it's like right. it's a little frustrating because I was like excited to just and I might go back. I might do what you said. Look at YouTube. See if there's a way. But I just it doesn't make me uh, confident. Right. Because how am I going to not know I'm going to meet another guy like that? 
Right, right. So right. it's a little frustrating. It came out of nowhere, a weird thing. Now tell me what the other game they're making is. Baldur's Gate 3. It's in early access. They were going to launch it this year, but I think it's been delayed. So no, that's no, no, what... no, 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 no. Sorry, but you did your own homework. Is that not it? That's what I'm No, finding. Baldur's Gate is 3 that... is already out in pre-release or whatever. But Yeah, in early access. Yeah, I just Baldur's that. Gate Dark Alliance. Oh, new Dark... Okay, let's look at yeah, that. Yeah, let's... yeah, I didn't search for that. Let's check that out. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's like Dark Alliance 2, I guess, or something? No, but... there's already been a 2. Oh, you said that. Um, but there's very, very, like, like super modern graphics. So, I mean, I'm seeing Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2 port. No, oh, here it is. I'm not seeing anything else. What Wizard of Coast has announced Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance will be... Oh, Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance. Oh, so they changed the name of it. That's why. It's not Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Anymore. Gate Dark Alliance... Not, oh, now I'm very confused. I, now that you're saying that, I do see what you're saying. There is a Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance. Is it connected? I don't know if it is connected. Who knows? Is it the same series? It looks like more of a behind-the-back kind of a game than a than a top-down. Well, then this one says Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2, PlayStation 2, because you're right. It did come out. We're all yeah. sorts of confused. We don't do homework, so for, let's just forget this whole thing. Forget this review. Forget we even did this forget segment. We're we going to just move did. on real I'll quick. cut it out of the thing. No, I won't cut it out because I am still don't frustrated at that. So Yes. All right. Anyway, that was Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, a port of the one from literally 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Not recommended unless you've got a pal. Yeah. All right. One more game. One more game. Uh, a couple of quick shout outs and then we're out of here. Um, so we have brought up on this podcast a couple of times now uh, the game Legend of Keepers. Um, you've played it on PC, I believe. I saw that it came out. Um, we were kind of talking about it and you seem to really like it. And that was one thing that kind of swung me towards it. It's out now on the Switch, which is what I was kind of waiting for. This seems like the kind of thing that I like. It is a 2D semi-roguelike game where you play as a boss monster at the bottom of a dungeon. You have lots of minion monsters. And what you want is to protect your treasure. Heroes will come into your dungeon in groups of three. And again, this is like a 2D pixel-based presentation um, your monsters are on the right side of the screen, heroes on the left side of the screen, dungeons are divided up into rooms, it's turn-based combat. Uh, and so you want to protect your, your treasure, heroes come in, and in each room you can like set up some monsters, you can set up a trap, you can set up a big monster, you can set up a magic spell, like whatever. Uh, the game like automates a lot of this for you. It's very simple, very easy to understand once you get into it. Again, another one of these games where the tutorial is not great, but once you figure out what you're doing, it's pretty straightforward. So, so far, pretty good. Um, I, I got into it. The concept is good because uh, even though there's many games like this, you know, Dungeon Keeper and stuff like that, the way that this is structured, it's so fast playing and so light and easy to get into as a roguelike. I found it really appealing. Um, I, I, I like the fact that you can do a run like a, a small run is just like, I don't know, five minutes or something when you're doing one level. But if you do like a big run, like a campaign, I mean, it's, I don't know, half an hour. Yeah, yeah, maybe 45 minutes like that's super reasonable for like a semi roguelike like that is where I like it to be because you get in and if you lose, you're like, OK, well, I lost 20 minutes. That's OK. But if you know, like some of these roguelikes they just get out of hand and it's like I lose like three hours of a play time. That's too much to lose. Wait, right? can that's I put crazy. an asterisk there? Because yeah, the minute yeah. you said the word roguelike, I kind of almost don't feel like it is one. Really? Okay. So, okay. Let me, let me talk about but this part. Continue. and Then you, yeah, you yeah. come in. Yeah. Okay. I said semi roguelike and I do. I do want to qualify that a little bit. Um, so what happens is it's roguelike in the sense that you have randomly generated heroes that you have to fight against. So it's not always the same group of heroes every time. 
you get randomly generated group of monsters. I mean, there's, you know, it's, it's not like the game is creating monsters on the spot, but there's like a whole, you know, I don't know, 30 different monsters or something, and they'll give you a random mix of those. And as you go through the game, you, like, earn more, but it's always kind of random. Like, you don't know. Mm -hmm. There's random events that you can go through that'll, like, earn you money or lose you money, get you a free monster or kill one of your monsters. So in that sense, I think a lot of it is, like, really randomized. And ultimately, you have some persistence in your boss monster where they level up over time, and that's persistent. You unlock certain things over time, and that's also persistent. So it's not a straight-up roguelike, but I feel like there are enough roguelike elements, or at least heavily randomized elements so that every time you do a run like it feels like you're doing something new uh new monsters new challenges new enemies even though the overall structure is is the same uh, what do you think about that yeah i guess but what's different is what's that uh dungeon game where you played as the dungeon master uh death trap dungeon or something right death trap dungeon i mean yeah okay I know. so i just feel like this game feels like more of that type of game for me when it when it, it's a a sim in a way that like yeah, you have a pool of monsters you're picking from. There is persistency, uh, persistent stuff that carries over, but I'm never really even worried about that. I'm just kind of like interested in, I don't want to call it a run, but like this this, this, mo this mode where heroes come in and, and attack you, almost like a tower defense in a way. And so if, in my mind, it might just be a mind thing. It was like, I thought of it as like a death trap dungeon with a sim kind of element because I'm like managing my crew which is actually like office mates because it's there's a lot of comedy in this as well there is too yeah um, and so yeah i think because of the comedy because of the way each little section plays out i never felt like i was like again controlling the hero it's the opposite so i'm not like just failing and dying all the time but you could die in quotes which means like you didn't build the good enough defenses but for me i just felt more like a defense you know tower defensey type game Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it is all those things, but I think it also has the roguelike elements into it. You know, like yeah. I, there's the randomness to all the events and the different enemies and the different monsters you have. Like, for example, on my first run, um, I ended up getting a, a bunch of monsters that were really strong with poison. So I'm like, OK, well, I'm just going to put these guys together and just roll with it. Worked out really well. The next run, I'm like, OK, poison was great. I want to do poison again. Didn't get a single fucking poison person. I got like oh, right. uh, people yeah. who were doing like bleed as a status effect i'm like okay well i gotta change it up i can't rely on my old tricks anymore because i don't have those people anymore i gotta start learning how to do the bleed status and so like each run is something different right because like it makes you change your, your your way up you get new traps sometimes my favorite trap is like this big frog that spits poison on my next run i didn't get the frog i'm like okay well i gotta have a new strategy now so that's what i mean by the rogue like it's it's randomly generated and each time you do a run you just you don't you can't do the same thing like you can't build a super team, you can't have your same three characters every time because you might not get them the next time. You right. might have to work with somebody totally new. You know what I mean? But but I, I guess I guess the other thing that is good, and yeah, it could still be roguelike, but I, I like it better, is that that persistent, um, like different traps and things you can get or monsters or boss, you know, abilities because there's like really mm. cool boss abilities. Yeah. They do level up and you do keep them like every time, right? Like it's not like um, there's just so many other games where, you know, I'm looking at fucking Returnal, obviously, but other ones where you don't even know if you're going to like get something, right? Like what's what what persists? I don't even remember like this currency. But this yeah. one, you're like, no, no, I bought that fucking death trap, you know, and it just felt more solid to me and like grounded where I was like, and to your point, like if the poison like people or bleed people didn't come through like I wanted, if I had a level two saw, it didn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Like. I just right. kept putting resources into my, like, I remember the, there was a death saw or something. And I was like, I had a level three death saw. And it doesn't care what you are. It's going to do 500 damage, you know? 
Oh yeah, the saw is actually a really good one. I get you. Oh, but like I love you, the saw. so like like for example, I had the saw in the first level. I thought it was great. It causes a bunch of bleed. It hits everybody in the in the uh, hero party. It's awesome. The next run, I didn't have the saw again. Like it just wasn't there. So right, I don't, right, 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 right. Yeah. So like once you, it's like per run, you're building up guys, and then once you finish that run, you go back to it. You might get the same guy again, but he does not have the levels that you put into him. Like he goes back to level one, and you kind of got to start from the beginning. Your boss guy keeps all that stuff, which is good. Yes, he sure does. Yeah. But the the minions and stuff kind of start over. So regardless, though, I do think it's a pretty cool game. I I I like really what I like about it the best is it's quick. The runs are fast. It's very easy and approachable. It's a good balance between there's just enough depth to feel like you have some things to fiddle with, but it's not so deep that you feel like you're doing stat management. Like it's, it's just really quick. You're doing quick battles. You're doing quick dungeon runs, quick defenses of your treasure. It all just goes really fast and you can get in, get out, get in, get out. I think it feels really good. I also want to say, I think the graphics are actually quite good. Um, it's a lot of really good pixel art where the characters are very expressive. There's some cool designs. I think it all works really well. Um, so, so far, I like this game a lot. I think it's really Great. fun. I think the, the title is boring. Legend of Keepers doesn't really tell you anything. They should have got a jazzier title, but whatever. After you get past the title and once you learn how to play, I think it's actually really quite good and well-designed, and I give it a, a big thumbs up as a guy who plays all the roguelikes and who likes a lot of 2D pixel games, who likes this kind of run-based game. It's hitting all the right marks for me. I think it's really good. Let's, there is, however... Oh, there's a but... There's a giant. Wait, giant. a giant butt. Okay, before you get to the giant butt, I was just about to say, could this yes. be the only, so far, roguelike that, what, you like. that we both like? I think it probably is so far. If you like this one, I definitely like this one. I know you like this one. So this might be, so far, the one and only roguelike that I think we can both agree on is a good game. But. But. Here is the problem, and it is a major problem the problem is i did not play this game on pc you played this on pc right yeah that's right yeah okay. it's now available it, on everything right i Lots no i think it's only on pc and switch oh pc and switch okay i believe it's pc and switch uh so i bet this game is awesome on pc when you bring it to the switch the developers did that kind of port which i oh here we go here we go because they did not readapt this game to take advantage of the switch's screen the graphics on this game are very small. And what's even smaller than the tiny graphics? I can guess. The motherfucking text. text. The text is so... Okay, I'm going to be very serious with you, Carlos. I am not joking. I'm this not, is not even, a joke. I, I can see your serious face through the microphone. Yes. This is Okay, listen to me. This is not a bit. What I'm about to say, 100% fucking real, real truth, real words, shit's real, Okay. I had to go get a magnifying glass to play this game comfortably because the text was so goddamn small. Wow. Not a joke. I had a magnifying glass. I'm like, where's my fucking magnifying glass? I can't see the shit on the screen because it is so small. Um, I, you know, I tried to play it without a magnifying glass. My eyes were getting super tired. The text is just microscopic. And it's like a lot of this text matters. You have to look at what the heroes are strong against, what they're weak against, what the... Uh, you know, the abilities of your characters are who's got what power like you need to constantly read this stuff and it's not always the same because you're getting new characters. They did a miserable job of porting this to the switch. It just is so small. It is physically uncomfortable to play. Let's do the got, uh, let's do the get, uh, to get let's do the hair prayer emoji. Yes, we're doing the prayer hands. Yeah. We are pleading. Listen, developers, your game is good. I actually like your game a lot. I think it's quite good. But this port is fucking miserable. This text, 
I cannot imagine a world in which you looked at this text and said, you know what, this is fine. I don't believe it. You guys rushed this through or whoever rushed it through. It's not okay. Games like this are great on the Switch, but they need to be adapted properly. This is not a proper adaptation. I put it on um, docked mode. Mm -hmm. Docked mode is slightly better, but it's still an eyesore. Like it needs bigger text and the graphics need to be upsized. It needs to be properly ported to the Switch. This is not a proper port. Wait, but on a docked mode, it, that doesn't make any sense. Like, if you should be able to see it on docked mode. It, I don't think it, I can. I can see it because my TV is so much bigger than the Switch screen. But the text, in like the proportion proportional text size to the screen, is still way too oh, small. Oh, I see. Like, what it you should mean. be. Yeah. It should be bigger than it is. I mean, it's bigger, but it's not big enough. So that's something they can do in a patch. So let's, again, this is yes, something they absolutely. very easily can do. Like the pink text in Don't Give Up and this. Like, just just make it bigger. Yes. It's a shame because I think this is a great game. If they fix the text, I would be happy to recommend this to anybody. I've been having a great time. Lots of fun. I really like it. It's been keeping me up at night. I think Legend of Keepers is a really good game. Plays quick. Easy to get into. Solid roguelike. I mean, it's good. It's all good. But this text is fucking abysmal, and it's not okay, and they need to fix it ASAP. Okay. So uh, we both are still saying that we love it, so that's yes, cool. Yes, I do, I do think it's very good. First roguelike ever on the podcast that we both enjoy. It To me, it's mainly because it doesn't feel as much like a roguelike, I think, and more of like a tower defense. And also there's comedy, which we don't really talk about much. There is a lot of comedy. There's a lot of comedy because your monsters are your employees, and they like get disgruntled, and they have like whole employee like you know, banter and stuff. And I just love it. it. It's also like addictive. I just love the like. It's really hard to stop playing this game. Yeah. I keep wanting to do one more run. One, one more, more run. run yeah, more. yeah, totally. And that's a, that's a great quality. It's a great quality to have. I I I wish they will hear this podcast, hear our feedback, fix it ASAP. And I would be happy to like recommend this game to anybody. I think people should play this. I think it's really fun. Uh, it's good stuff, but you just cannot send it out the door with text like this. I'm gonna uh, send this podcast to at least both those developers for sure. And, yes, we'll, and we'll get it done. Um, by the All way, right. to follow up real quick, that is Legend of the Keepers. People, check Legend it out. of Keepers, yes, uh, check it out. To follow up on that Baldur's Gate thing, it, it was confusing, and I looked it up. It is Dungeons and Dragons colon Dark Alliance, which is the new game, and it's related. And I don't know how much it's related. It's got Dungeons and Dragons in it, right? So Baldur's Gate is D and D, and it's D and D, and it's a co-op action RPG. So those are the same things, like you know, co-op in RPG. I mean, yeah. I look at the screenshots. It looks nothing like the original, so it right. seems it's like, like a kind of a full big on, takeoff. Yeah, like uh, I guess it actually has a PS5 version. Um, okay. So I don't know. If it's not Xbox. I think it's just PS5, PS4. So yeah, Wizard of the Coast have uh, said it's coming out June 22nd, and so that's All really right. soon. So again, that other Baldur's Gate random Dark Alliance showed up. I don't know why. Uh, I can't. Uh, I can only recommend it if you have a, a buddy. And you want to play it with them? Uh, that that it, it's kind of fun to go back to an old school game, but you know this seems interesting. Dark Alliance, Dungeon and Dragons. So we shall see. All right, cool. That is it for the show, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Just a quick reminder: next week, Carlos is taking a brief sabbatical from the show. We will be joined by uh, previous co-host Corey Motley. We will be talking a lot about Resident Evil Village. We'll have a couple more games as well, but Village will probably be the focus. Um, so keep your ears peeled for that also i want to give a couple really quick shout outs to people who have been uh listening to the show i assume and retweeting us on twitter thank you very much for the shares every little share helps every little bit helps helping spread this wonderful podcast to the larger world out there shout out to andre daughtry 
Mike Burnett, and Ryan Pascal. Thank you all for retweeting us last week. I really, really appreciate it. Like I said, every bit helps. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that is it for the show. But before we go, we do want to get your questions and comments. Hit us up, sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter, at sovideogames. But you can reach us individually, and I guess... uh, I guess oh, already uh, get in man. here. Already get in Artie here. Artie can get in here too. Yeah, Maybe right. you can hit I Artie told as well. You. you should have had me the whole podcast. I sound better than you. You know that. <laughs> so Carlos and or Artie, where can people find well, you? Let's both get him out of here. He doesn't. He's done enough already. All right. Did you hear how he talked during the podcast? He didn't articulate his words. Okay. Very true. Let me tell you, I can do that. So here's what you got to do: is got to go to YouTube.com/slash a lot of things. Okay. First, that's the first thing. He doesn't know the rest of it. The second thing is you got to go to TikTok, and it's at Video Game Sketch. It's his dumb things. I don't. I, I'm in there sometimes, but most of the time I'm not because it's really it's really dumb. Anyways, I'm gonna get out of here. I need a coffee. So uh, there you go, Carlos. Come there in. you go. Thank you very much, Artie. And uh, yes, we'll get Carlos back in a second. As for me, uh, same as usual on the social media, Twitter and Instagram, B R A D G A L L A W A Y. Always no O's. And that is gonna do it for episode two three two. Thank you once again for joining us here on the So Video Games Podcast. And we'll see you next Friday. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And bye. Bye. From Carlos. <laughs> you did it wrong, you idiot. I told you you should have let me do it. Here, I'll, I'll do it. He, he meant to say, uh, uh, later, Gator. That's what, the, that's what the kids say, right? That is what the kids say. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, dab, dab you later. Dab you later. That's the kids say that, right? 